Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello, welcome to The Fear, a podcast about the overlap between comedy and horror. My name's Sarah Morgan, hello. This week I've been scaring myself mostly by driving around alone in the dark, listening to American Girl by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and imagining that, like, in the next scene I'm going to get kidnapped and put down a well, like off in Silence of the Lambs. I highly recommend this if you're a lady driving by yourself. It's a lot of solo lady fun. My guest this week is Danielle Ward. She's the tits, basically. She's a writer, she's a stand-up. She's a musician, she hosts Do The Right Thing podcast. She spent most of last year as her alter ego, Danny Frankenstein, who was basically sort of Danielle in a skeleton lycra jumpsuit singing K-pop raps about, like, sexual consent and stuff. It was brilliant. I am so sexy, men just have to look at me and their bollocks get wet. I am so sexy, I just have to pull her up to her. I've never booked a cat, but I've given it careful consideration. Me and Danielle, we talked about uh, all the things that scare her. Bit of a trigger warning, if you're in your 30s, we talk about some really creepy ads from the 80s, and we also talk about Ghostwatch. I'm really sorry. Insert spooky sound effect here, Gav. Thanks. We actually built our Saturday night with the children around watching it. Within five minutes, nothing had happened. He reacted instantly. He was very distressed instantly to something very sinister in the presentation and nothing had actually happened. So stick around until after the chat and you'll find out who next week's guest is going to be. I've interviewed loads of excellent comedians for the show. Danielle is no exception. Please enjoy my chat with Danielle Ward. Thank you. Bye. The podcast, as I sort of explained a little bit, is about the overlap between comedy and uh, and fear and horror. My favourite stomping ground. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But that's just why I wanted to do this because everyone, all the com- all the best comedians, like, are also obsessed by horror films. Yeah. They're obsessed by sort of prodding the bruise of the dark places where they, you know, and it's it's a, yeah, it's the, they're the best they're, they're, when there's that sort of weird overlap of the two. Yeah. It's because they also both work on surprise. Yes. And that's kind of, once you learn how to surprise people with a joke, mm. you realise that you can get a different but equal reaction by surprising people with a scare as well. Yes. It's very, if you can do both of them, it's a really interesting place to play, I think. And they're both a very brave thing as well, because if you get it wrong, then one becomes scary and one becomes funny the other way around. Like yeah. a, a bad, you know, a, a bad scare becomes a joke and yeah. that, vice versa. And also there's this... Yeah, there's something about... Because you're a stand-up. You're a brilliant stand-up. Thank you very much. A fantastic animal show called um, Danny Frankenstein. Uh, do you know, I didn't sleep very well last night because I was trying to work out the title of my new show. Uh-huh. It's terrible. It's just words going around in my head. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be Danny Frankenstein, though. I've sort of retired the character. You're retiring Danny Frankenstein? After one year. Oh. She's my Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> so, yeah, so you're a stand-up. So there's, there's, yes. this, there's this sort of 
old chestnut that uh, people are mostly scared of, more scared of public speaking than anything else, like it's the number one fear. And I do wonder what happens once you've tackled that and survived. Yeah, where where do you go from there? I mean, what's what would what comes after that? Well, public speaking was never well. It was never a fear for me. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably. But I think if you really don't like speaking in mm. public and yet you become a stand-up, mm. that's going to be difficult, right? I mean, some people like make up a character, and I guess yeah. that sort of helps. So I they're playing like, on stage. Andrew Lawrence, when he first started, he still kept the name Andrew Lawrence, but he used to do a character. Mm. I think because he didn't want to be himself, mm. and with good reason, because. Mm himself is a horrible person <laughs> um, so I think some people do that it just never bothered me at all wow that's amazing yeah it was never a thing that so did you, did you ever get like stage fright or get fighting on stage I get um, not proper stage frights I get nerves before a gig I think that's really important I think when you don't get nervous you get complacent when I've done theatre you get, like you sort of think oh god what if I forget my lines mm. but uh, that's never happened either like driving on stage but you know, it's fun. No stand-up wins every gig. Right. You want to win most of them, but when it's... Like, I remember seeing a comic die before I started doing stand-up, mm. and you're like, oh, my God, this is horrible. This yeah. is really horrible. I think the best thing you can do as a comic is to just be on stage and go, guys, mm. this is going really badly, but it's totally fine. You've yeah. got to put everybody at ease. I think that, that solves it. No. What's... This is just a general question rather than about comedy. What's the most you've ever been scared, do um, you think? I... I like that you know the answer to this and be <laughs> well, I, I can't yeah. think of a specific. Yeah. I just hate flying. Like I really hate, hate flying. Yeah. I am such a terrible, terrible, yeah. terrible flyer. I my routine for going to Heathrow is um, go to King's Cross, go to M and S, get two tins of alcohol, um, have that on the tube, like a premix cocktail. Premix cocktail. Oh, two of them because then at least by the time I get to the airport, I'm already a little bit drunk. I mean, obviously you've got to judge it right because oh, yeah, you can't yeah. get too drunk because yeah. then they get. And also, it's not just about getting drunk. This is terrible. This is mm. terrible advice. I'm sorry, kids, don't do this. <laughs> it's very short on I've got coccyx problem. I've got coccydynia, it's called it. It's where you coccyx out of position. I have to have physiotherapy for it and everything. Oh, God. So it means if I sit down for a long time, I get a very bad pain in my mm. coccyx. So I started taking um, cocodamol. Oh, which I love a bit of cocodamol. <laughs> the side effects of being mm. delicious and lovely and warm. Mm. Um, so now when I fly, I take <laughs> Eurofem Plus. <laughs> way more than you meant to. It's really bad for you. Don't do it. So you take cocodamol? I don't take cocodamol and Eurofem Plus. I just take Eurofem <laughs> okay. Plus because it's an anti-inflammatory. Right. So I used to uh, I used to take like naproxen and cocodamol. Now I just take Neurofen Plus. It's fine. I can buy it from Boots or any other chemist. <laughs> but that's what I take. When I flew to New York, when I was doing uh, Julius Caesar, I just I think also because normally when I fly, I fly by myself, and that's I'm sort of okay with that. When I'm flying with a group of people and they're trying to have a conversation, that's what oh I'm it like, gets worse. Leave because me alone. You don't want them to know how scared you are. Yeah, and I don't. Also, I want to be able to put on some noise cancelling headphones and just watch a film and not think about plummeting to my death. So this is the this the fear is the plummeting. The fear is the, the plummeting. Can you remember where it came from? Was it a particular incident or? I think it's when so I flew when I was nine and I was totally mm. fine with that. And then I, next time I flew, I was twenty one. Mm-hmm. My family don't fly. Never been on a flying holiday with my family. I was 21. I was going to New York for my birthday, and I'd, so like for all intents and purposes, I hadn't flown before. Mm-hmm. And they got the plane, and it's like, yeah, go another runway. This is exciting. And the moment when it takes off, I think because my own experience of that feeling had been roller coasters, mm. my body was anticipating oh. a drop. Oh. 
and that's bad if you're flying yeah. and you suddenly fall out the sky and so I think and I didn't realise I was scared of flying until that moment yeah. and I, th- I think it was the anticipation of I think it's that the body anticipating mm. something that it's anticipating something mm. that if actually happened would be a terrible terrible thing yeah. and so that for me is oh I'm just a I'm sort of I get better I go through peaks and troughs mm. now but I do hate flying this is why well, this is exactly why I wanted to do this podcast and particularly why I knew it would be brilliant talking to comedians because I think fear flying is such a common fear loads yeah. of people have of it of course yeah uh, it makes complete sense it's a control it's a, thing it's a, it's, a, it's a thing that you see, things do go wrong with flying we've heard about it it's, yeah. you know this is a genuine thing you want it's very out of control but I don't think most people analyse their fears or pinpoint when they started and stuff like that yeah. because comedians analyse everything and unpick everything and sort of turn it around looking for material and different yeah. facets. They, everyone knows exactly, oh, well, it was this, it was a sunny day in June really when I developed my fear of flying. Yeah, having to spend my last moments alive knowing I'm going to die really scares me. Wow, but you've never experienced presumably anything. No. So the most scared you've ever guesswork. been. Yeah, no, but, the mo- but this is really interesting. The most scared you've ever been in your life is purely in anticipation of an event that hasn't happened to you yet. Yeah. That's really cool, though. Do you think? Well, it means, well, you've, I mean, it it means you've led quite a nice life. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. But then, or also terrible things have happened to you, but you weren't that scared. Yes, yeah. possibly, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's... I think that is... It's more the other one. Yeah. yeah. And also, the weird thing about comedians is, mm. as I'm sure mm. if you get any others on, mm. is your adrenal glands become really fucked up because they're used to... Um, yeah. so loads of comedians have, like, adrenaline problems because you're so used to a big spike and then a big come down oh, gotcha. and also a big spike in a situation that isn't actually dangerous. And so you can kind of be in situations that probably would be dangerous and not feel any danger because your adrenaline levels are that's all over so the place. nuts. Yeah. And that's why it's so hard to fall in love as well because yes. you're all full of Just what's the serotonin and yeah. stuff at all times. Oxytocin. And and oxytocin and, cr- and crashing from it. And yeah. <gasps> wow. So that's another problem with being stand-up. And I think specifically stand-up as well, yeah. rather than any other sort of performance, yeah. because stand-up is very much in the moment and it's only you who's controlling the situation. Well, it's, it's why comedians, uh, stand-ups are such insomniacs as well, because you have the hours after a show where your body yeah. thinks it's been mugged or something yeah. and you're just, yeah. There's a thing that I found really weird when I was doing a play. Everybody after the play was mm. like, oh, my God, I have to stay awake for, like, hours and hours and hours mm. because it's been so amazing. Yeah. And I could go home and be asleep by half past yeah. ten because it just wasn't doing the same thing to my body that being on stage as a stand-up was. Your choices of the, the, the three things we were going to talk about. Uh, so the first, flying. Yes. The second thing, I asked if you could talk to me about um, a, 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 a scary film or TV show um, that scared you. And you mentioned this one, and I don't think there could be anything that got under my skin more as well. So let's talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about Ghost Watch. Um, there, are, there are incredible noises coming from the walls and from the ceiling. Ah! Oh, Jesus. Jimmy, Kim, where are you? Did you do something? Susie. Susie, Suzanne, you're coming with me. Suzanne, you're coming. Suzanne, listen to me, Susie. 
Tell me about the first time you saw Ghostwatch. The first time I saw Ghostwatch was when it went out on telly. I was... Yeah. I was like, it was 1992. 1992. Halloween night, 1992. Oh, wow. Well done. So I would have been... <laughs> no, no, <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you remember that. I, yeah, it couldn't have looked it up. No, it was um, a razor blade according to my head. <laughs> so I was... I was 14 um, in October 19... I'd just turned mm-hmm. 14. Okay. Uh, and... As was the thing that I did with my friends a lot, this is why none of us had sex, <laughs> is because we would have sleepovers where we'd watch horror films. That was the thing. So, Amazing. like, Pet Cemetery, I watched Pet Cemetery when I was really young. My parents were really not good at not letting me watch horror. I saw American Horror for London when I was four. <gasps> Do you think that set the, a precedent for being drawn oh, to weird stuff? It's so, what a great film to watch when you're four, though. Because I imagine when you're four, it's been quite funny because you don't get the Nazi stuff or the horror. Or did no, it really fuck you the, up? Yeah, oh, they're in the cinema. Oh, yeah. And they're all all their faces ripping off. Well, even if I'm not the wolf, man, I'm crazy enough to do something like that. And look at me. Here I sit in a porno theater in Piccadilly Circus talking to a corpse. I'm actually glad to see you, Jack. I want you to meet some people. David Kessler, this is Gerald Bringsley. Gerald's the man you murdered on the subway. We thought it best for you not to see him, as he's a fresh kill and still pretty messy. Yes. I do look most unpleasant. It's my favourite film now. I think it's a perfect com- uh, combination of comedy and horror. Yes, it's exactly the same here. In my top five, definitely, of all time. One of the greatest films ever. And that's the sexiest film. One of the sexiest films Incredibly sexy. It's got Seen everything. in the shower. It's got oh. everything. If you can only watch one film, because <laughs> you want something a bit sexy and a yeah. very scary and very funny, yeah, watch that film. Oh, I love it. And great music. Four things. Sorry, I'm going to stop talking about it. And if you, if you get the DVD, <laughs> the, um, the commentary is just adorable. Oh, oh John Landis. Yeah. Uh, oh. No, it's um, the two guys. Oh. Oh. Jack and David doing the commentary. It's so sweet. It's so comment- sweet. Yeah. It's, oh. it's like I've barely watched any, but that one in particular is just so anyway. anyway, well, let's get yeah, into yeah, Ghost Watch. Ghost Watch. So, right so, so 19, it. it's definitely 92. I, I, I'm thinking that sounds right. 12 uh, rather than 13, but I'm the uh, yeah, so you were. I watched so you were, it with my friends, so we were having a Halloween sleepover and we all watched it <laughs> and we were like. I don't think any of us thought it was real. I don't think we were... Oh, really? So, yeah. you, so you all knew it was going to... So was it taped off the telly or you were watching no, it live no. on the Halloween night? Um, I can't remember actually. Maybe we did watch it taped off the telly. But we didn't know what happened. And we hadn't... Okay. Like, we was only watching it like a bit later. So it wasn't as if... It wasn't as if there'd been the whole press the okay. next day going, it's not real. I think... I think it just was like we didn't think it, oh, we found it mm. really I mean I found it so scary but I find it way scary it didn't scare me as much as a kid as it does watching it now oh really that's really interesting okay so I should just ra- summarise it very briefly yeah. for just in case you've not heard of it and I, I feel very bad because it won't have the same effect if you watch it now yeah. if you watch it as a child or a teenager in 1992 yeah but it was basically uh, on Halloween night at half past nine-ish, BBC One started showing this. It was it was presented very much as a factual show that was going to be an investigation into the paranormal. Yeah. The host was Michael Parkinson, who's a very well-respected talk show host, and uh, Sarah Green from Going Live yeah, and Smith, Mike her Smith, her husband, husband uh, were outside. Were an outside broadcast, a normal suburban house, a normal suburban yeah. street that had had a few 
rumours of poltergeist activity and and, it, and um, Craig Charles off Red Dwarf yes. was the cheeky chappy roving reporter he was interviewing the crowds and people had brought along funny masks and going boo and it was it was presented very much as a bit of fun on Halloween night yeah. then it got really fucking dark really, really quickly dark. when a real it, it ju- like people you love off the actual telly Sarah Green and people like that who are playing themselves so brilliantly you don't if you like I did, I never knew it was fake. I yeah. turned in, tuned about ten minutes into it, didn't know it was a drama show, thought it was a real thing, thought Sarah Green, off going live, had been basically dragged into a cupboard by poltergeist and covering cat scratches. The phone in number for Ghostwatch is 081-811-811, which was the going live yeah. phone in to ask. That everybody knows. Everyone remembers as a kid, you'd phone in and you'd ask five star a question. So that's the real number appearing on screen. People are phoning and going, oh my god, my telly's just exploded and really scary things happen. Hello, uh, your name is? I don't want to give me a name, but I think I have some information for you about the history of the house. Well, what do you know about it? Well, we've been into all that. We've got the, uh, the deeds and searches going back to the year it was built and the history of the site as far as the doomsday book and the, um, the ley lines. Mm. Do you know Mr. and Mrs. Sellers? Yes, they're on our list of tenants. They lived there in the 60s, I think. Did you know they sublet a room? No, I didn't. I didn't know that. Being illegal, it wouldn't be on the official records. The lodger was their nephew, Raymond Tonstall. How do you know him? Uh, why are you calling, sir? I worked as a social worker when he came out of psychiatric hospital. He had several convictions for molestation, aggravated abuse, abduction of minors. He should never have been let anywhere near any community. He was a very disturbed man, in my opinion. In what way? From the time he moved to Fox Hill Drive, he developed paranoid fantasies. He used to tell me there was a woman on the inside of his body, taking over his thoughts and actions, making him do things he didn't want to do. He started to wear dresses. The delusions got so bad, there was only one way to escape them. He took his own life. That's why I called. When I heard, when I was sitting here watching the TV and... Hello? Are you still there? If you are, please go on. Hello? Everyone freaked the shit out. It was completely... It was proper War of the Worlds, wasn't it? I think... I think I was just the wrong age. Mm. I think I was too... I think if I'd have been a little bit younger... Yeah. Or... Like a pussy like me. And <laughs> not know. I think I was just too cynical. I think I was just too cynical. That's amazing. No, but this real. is brilliant. That you still think this is terrifying oh, and you didn't think it was real. Because no. I think all of us... You know, but you'd see Pipes the ghost in the yeah. curtains. Yeah. And... Like for about five years after that, I couldn't see the word pipes written down in the book. It would just, I'd get goosebumps and I would like freak out because I thought the ghost was in the curtain. At the end, he gets in through Pipes the Ghost, who's also like a child molester. Oh, yeah, yeah. They make, it's like basically Freddy Krueger. Yeah, it was all really big. Like that was the 80s, 90s, wasn't it? People were really big on like, they, he wasn't just a murderer, he was also a child molester. Yeah, which is ironic mm. given the level of child molesting that was going on. <laughs> <laughs> the BBC, yes. Yeah. All the BBC. Yeah, weirdly, no one involved in Ghostwatch has been accused of. New, it's been you treat, haven't they? That's good. That's, That's interesting. Good. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Parky's clean, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, but except at the end of Ghostwatch, he becomes possessed. camera, then. I mean, it's difficult to know, even if anybody's still still with us. But if they are, this is the the scene in this in this studio, this totally deserted studio. Autocue's working. Round and round the garden, like a teddy bear. Oh, 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Rule of Three. A podcast presented by me, Joel Morris. And me, Jason Hazley. In which we talk to people who make comedy. About the films. And TV. And books. And records. And comics. And people that make them laugh. She doesn't want people having a go at Martin, <laughs> even though she can. And that's true. Of, I mean, most of my friends are idiots, but they're my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I never really understood what Hans Solo did for a job. <laughs> you don't need to know anything up more than, like, he's just sobbing while <laughs> being punched fresh. in the balls. They were just trying to make each other laugh in the office. You have to show a certain amount of contempt for your audience. <laughs> <laughs> Write your own jokes, in the morning, you lazy bastards. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Rule of Three Pod. Rule of Three. Available now from all good podcastier. He's literally like the granddad of telly. That's yeah. the weird thing about it. So he's this nice man who we all know off telly. He does lovely ch- chat show talking to Billy Connolly. Yeah. And at the end of Ghostwatch, we, we all think he's real. Or I thought was real. Everyone thought was real. He's walking around the studio possessed by a ghost singing Ring and Ring of Roses yeah. or something like that. And you're like, okay, well, the world, my, my entire, if you don't believe in ghosts, then your entire world changes when that happens to you. Like, it's an incredible bit <gasps> of telly because no one knew what it was. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was brilliant. Mm. I remember thinking it was scary. I remember not thinking it was, like, I didn't think yeah. it was, you know, because I don't believe in ghosts. So that was Yeah, well, not I. No, I think that was what, when I believed yeah. in ghosts, yeah. I'd actually have been like, better yeah, yeah. with it than I was because it was so, because it was such an amazing mix of the mundane and the, the special effects are brilliant. It, yeah. I mean, they're 1992 special effects, but they're so brilliant. Yeah. And, um, I mean, the reason it scares me now is, mm. so if you watch it, mm. the first hour, the acting is atrocious. Yes. It's really bad. Although, actually, it's how people acted when they were on telly in the early 90s. Like, people were just more, a bit more jewellery and were a bit more kind of posh and on telly. And a slightly more polished way of talking to yeah. people, yeah. Yeah, so like, hello, we're in your lovely home. And they're like, all right, geezer, like yeah. they are now, yeah. I mean, but it's, it is really bad, I think. It is really bad. But this is what makes it really good, I think, yeah. is that the first hour, so it's an hour and a half long, first hour, the mum's quite stiff and the kids mm. are quite stiff and quite drama schooly. 
And yes. so you're like again, but that's how people. F- you felt like people were like on telly when they were on telly. That the kids act like kids acted when they were on telly when telly was really important. Yes. And the kids are like, hello, we're on the television. I'm sorry, there's a ghost in our house. How embarrassing! Right. Like, <laughs> sorry. The point is, the last half hour, the style of acting really changes, and I don't think it's a conscious thing. I don't think that it's that they were like act a bit crap for an hour really? and then change. Interesting. The moment when they notice the time code has changed on the, you know, the CCTV. Yeah. It's like, that's, that, that's the wrong time code. The wrong time code. Oh, someone's altered the CCTV. Yeah. Great piece of scripting. Um, yeah, there's loads of those bits, kids, in it, isn't it? Like really mundane things, yeah. like oh, we've lost camera three, and then yeah, oh god, yeah. And the and the it goes to the kids, and the kids are really scared, and it feels and, and there's such a shift in their mm. acting that you sort of I could see where you think. It, it was all set up, it was, like it was all pretend up until that point, <laughs> yes. and then, oh my God, maybe it is real. That's, it's a really slight shift, but it's so fascinating. Mm. The other thing that really scares me, and I never noticed this when it went out, this is a thing, revisiting it as someone mm. who's got the DVD. Because mm. I watched it with my friend Simon, and he, he's obsessed with Ghost Watch, mm. and he knows where all of the moments of pipes are. Nice. And there's moments that I'd never pipes noticed. And so you're watching it, yeah. and you, he'd like pause it and goes, You can see pipes in that. And it's like, Oh my god, you can see pipes. Yeah. So There's pipes, pipes is a ghost. Yeah. And they, Mr. Like, pipes. they overlay a very faint image of a man. Or like in a crowd shot, there's Craig Charles doing stuff, talking to the crowd, and pipes is behind him. There's an amazing one. Yeah, he's just like cocking about in front of like this like lovely crowd of like yeah. locals who are all waving flags and holding up signs, being, I think, and fucking pipes is in the crowd yeah. it's so horrifying but it's yeah. one of those things that when you go back and watch it again like it's really easy to miss the first time round yeah and it's when you go back and watch it you know what, I think I've only watched it once really since. oh my god I love Mine, it because it's, it. too, it's too much for me like, I watched it's it on too Halloween new. last year I love it's it so I love nice. Ghostwatch Oh, so great. It's just a brilliant, brilliant piece of telly. Yeah. It's the sort of thing that um, you'd expect America to make, and they didn't. The BBC made it. Yeah, there's a sort of yeah, the Blair Witch thing. I suppose is the closest they've ever come to it because it's, it's such. It's so in terms of it being a hoax. Yeah. The, the people, you know, so many. People, the thing that actually, I'll be honest, the thing that freaked me out the most about it because I don't believe in ghosts. Yeah. The was re- yesterday when I was re- reading up on you know the history of ghost watch and stuff like that I started reading the Wikipedia page and do you remember there was like all that stuff that was like people died watching it oh, that was always yeah. the rumour it was always oh yeah, people died watching it was so frightened people died yeah. and then I started reading it and it's like yeah it wasn't quite even it wasn't even like some heart you know people that are half heads some bloke killed himself after watching it true some guy with mental illness killed it and that my my arm just went like the goosebumps came off and I was that is scarier than ghosts is the idea that someone watched it and freaks out so much like he had mental problems it could have anything could have triggered it but it was still like what a fucking horrifying thing to like that he thought he was so convinced that Mr Pipes yeah, it was coming through the telly. It was coming through the telly and, and, and possessing Michael Parkinson. But the, um, yeah, so that was really horrifying. But people don't die in front of the telly anymore, do they? That was the thought that stuck with me. No. Remember, it used to be like someone would watch the goodies and then die, some old old fellow would die laughing yeah. <laughs> watching the goodies or something. I'm sure people do. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's not a new story anymore. No. It used to be quite nice. <laughs> that's why I wanted to go. Oh, you know, yeah. Watching, the, watching something lovely. Watching something lovely. Right, well, wait, see, like, what was your final... Oh, yeah, your final thing. Oh, awesome. Okay, so, again, this is... I said I asked you to tell me something that freaked you out as a kid. Yeah. And you mentioned an advert... And as soon as you said, and I, I know you said it in the kind of like, oh, I don't know why I found this freaky butt kind of way. Yeah. And as soon as you said that, I was like, yeah, no, it's fucking terrifying. And I remember it terrifying me as yeah. a kid. I'm a secret lemonade drinker. Oh, it's, oh, it's, 
I'm not trying to give it up, but it's one of those nights. Always, always, always lemonade. I'm a secret lemonade drinker. Always, always, always lemonade. Always, 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 always lemonade. It's making me. It's making me tear up. The R-White's secret lemonade drinker ever, which is Daniel is now seriously like a cat on a, I don't know, like a cat being with a hairdryer in his face. You look horrified. I really hate this effort so much. I really hate it. It's creepy. It's really creepy. Tell me why you think it's creepy. So it's, if you've not seen the R-White's lemonade advert... Originally made in 1973, but repeated a lot when we were kids. Yes, Um... Man creeps downstairs in the middle of the night in his pajamas. Yeah, nice butcher block pajamas, like like comic book pajamas. Yeah. yeah. And he helps himself to a glass of R White's lemonade that's in the fridge, and he shuts the fridge door, and his wife's there, <laughs> and tutting, tutting, no. drinking lemonade in the middle of the night. It's not so much this version of the advert; it's a retrospective thing. So this this now freaks me out, but it's because I don't know when they started doing it, but there was a little campaign where he'd creep down the stairs mm. shut the fridge and it was Frankie Howard and he was just oh, like, that that also came out of me why Frankie Howard I, I mean the, yes that is that is another version on him there's can... another version so I think yeah. it's because I'm, I've made peace with the fact his wife's there and it was just something that was a bit off yeah and it just it, oh man I think there's another one as well there's, like, there's loads of them because it was one and really successful there's a Ronnie Corbett one oh, I yeah, think but they were really it was a really successful campaign and the music is really catchy written yeah. by Elvis Costello's dad yes. as we know and with Elvis Costello on the backing vocals yeah. it's really good it's a really good song really good song um, and it is, cre- it is creepy it's the sneaking downstairs at night I think again it's something when you're a kid if you're it's anything that's meant a bit clandestine that's a bit secretive yeah. and a bit grown up makes you feel a bit uneasy I think yeah. there's always like a warning before I always find there's maybe like a warning before a film saying this film will contain you or something or you'd be like I'd feel, maybe I was a bit of a square but I think I would always be a little bit unnerved by yeah that makes sense yeah and because it's dark and he's tiptoeing around and, and he closes and he's weirdly physical as well yes, he's got he's a very odd physicality kind of like ling- uh, what's the word liminess yeah. he's very, very just, gangly yeah and it just there's so many things about it, and and obviously uh, I think I also said when you asked if things mm. scared me, seventies um, coloration, yes, saturation, yeah, just the, the hue of a seventies film. So I mean I know it was like early eighties mm. version, but the original version is a seventies, yeah, the seventy three one, yeah, yeah, and it's, um, even that just. There's something about... I just find the 70s terrifying. Even like, Honestly, even now watching it, it just sends shivers okay, down my spine. Right, so we're going to do something really brave now because you also... We we're, were, were talking about adverts. Yes. And you mentioned an advert in your list of things that freaked you out. Yeah. And as soon as you said it, I realised I haven't thought about this advert for 20 years. Oh, no, and horrible. the rest. And the rest, like right. th- maybe 30 years yeah. I haven't thought about this. It's an advert for give blood, donate mm-hmm. blood, a very good cause. Rowan Atkinson stars as a doctor in it and you told, you said this is the thing that freaked me out when I was a kid and, yeah. I, and I hadn't thought about it in that length of time and I was going to watch it and I thought no I'm going to watch it now <laughs> live we're going to have a live reaction cam oh. with the two of us and we're going to watch it together so there's Rowan at peak not the 9 o'clock news yeah. 1989 this imperial phase Atkinson basically I'll give you some uh, lead up to when I saw so this mm. advert would probably have been on quite late Yes, because it was for grown-ups. It's for grown-ups. It's for giving, donate blood. Um, Very worthy. And I, we used to, when we used to drive to Nottingham, stay with my grandparents. We'd always 
would always drive quite late and get there like at two o'clock in the morning. So because my dad preferred the long drives, like three and a half hour driving mm-hmm. for us to do it when the motorways were clear. So we'd leave like at eleven o'clock. We'd arrive at mm-hmm. two in the morning. Um, like maybe a bit earlier than that. Maybe I'm misremembering as a kid. But anyway, it was always yeah. at night. And so I'd get to my nan's house, and the telly would always be on. And there was just certain things that I remember as a kid, weird stuff. This advert is one of them. The film Tommy is another one. Catching that's horrifying. Your kids. Oh Tommy really freaks you out. Your kid. And, and remember, it was. To- I remember watching Tommy followed by Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders oh, from nice. Mars, <laughs> and finding it both of them yeah. quite scary. Yeah, Tommy's really scary. Tommy, can you hear me? Tommy, can you hear me? Tommy. this so you were you were a kid and this yeah. freaked up because I think as you say it's that childhood thing of you've probably been driving through the night it's yeah. dark you're not supposed to be awake yeah the telly's I've been on. about 10 yeah. when when I saw this 10 or 11 so, so not like crazy young but ooh. enter Atkinson in a white coat on a on a grey set and he's approaching a table that's got a, like a pebble on it that looks like sort of like a big jacket potato am I getting through to you and then he taps the stone with his stethoscope and it's like a slow creeping zoom like a Hitchcock oh. I don't know they were right it's like trying to get blood out of a oh thank you it's oh. <laughs> horrible oh God, that's it's horrible. horrible so the, the stone, <laughs> the stone bleeds. bleeds and obviously the whole thing is just like getting blood out of a getting stone getting blood out of a stone yes but he's got the blood out of the stone a, I don't know how you do that special effect. Yeah. So that's worrying me. Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful effect it's as well. It's a beautiful effect. Slowly... And it's very orangey blood. It looks it's like... Proper, again, yeah. it's that proper old sort of blood. The, the blood at the end of Don't Look Now blood. And it's a bit like it's crying. Yeah. <sighs> it's a, it's that's a nightmare. And if I... Yeah, that's reminding me I need to go and give blood. So that's yes. brilliant. I was like, shit, I'm getting a tattoo in April. I must go and give blood before then. Because <laughs> <laughs> then you can't do it before oh, the yeah, time. Do you like being scared when you watch things? I, I get the feeling you do. I do, I do, yeah. but I also really hate lazy scares. I have a real problem mm. with modern horror. I don't like... Um, oh, like the, gore. It, I, I don't really like... I haven't got the stomach for gore anymore. Mm. I think that's just getting older. Right. Uh, I used to like say, like, Hostel 2. Oh, I couldn't watch mm. that. I found it really awful. I just find it boring, that kind of horror. It's not... It makes me really sad. I like an, I like a, a, a visual, a, a tangible special effect. Yes. But I, it, rather than F, it's, it's, what's what I'm looking for? A practical special effect. That's, that's cool, yeah. yes. But I don't, I, I'm bored of CGI. Anything CGI, I can't yeah. give, give a shit. Yes. But it's the um, things that really bore me mm. are quite quite loud thing I mean like anybody can make you feel scared uh, if you bring right, the volume yeah. down and push it right up mm. I find that really tedious the other thing that I hate in modern horror is the crick cracking effect so like someone doing this oh and, and then someone crumples a paper cup yeah, yeah. And then like <laughs> crick cracking noise at the top of it so it's, it's that body horror of someone's yeah. body distorting to a way that like this this happens in if you watch the film Pet Cemetery, there's a bit where someone's sister has got uh, spinal meningitis mm. and she's lying on the bed and she's played by a man, which automatically makes it look weird because there's something ro- can't quite mm. put your finger on why her face looks old and it's because she's being played by a man. Oh, wow. My sister 
died in in the back bedroom and, and that's what she was a dirty secret i had to i had to feed her sometimes i hated it but i did it we wanted her to die we wished for her to be dead it wasn't just so she wouldn't feel any more pain. It was so we wouldn't feel any more pain. It was because she started to look like this monster. Even now, I wake up and I think, is Zelda dead yet? Is she? <laughs> My parents were gone when she died. Something that really scared me. Uh, probably it follows. Have you seen it follows? No, is it good? It's very good. It's really good. It's um, the thing that it does beautifully. It frames things in that very uh, Kubrick way of mm. having a, a wide shot Ooh, with something very far in the distance mm. moving towards you. So mm. you're f it's like everything focuses down the middle of the shot, mm. and you can't quite make out what it is, and it just creeps towards the screen. It's very like mm. obviously Kubrick does it loads in The Shining. And it's a beautiful effect. I had goosebumpy at you. I'm a little bit goosebumpy from the from the blood from a from the blood a from a stone advert. It's more, it's more the eyes. The honestly, oh, it's lemonade. Advert. The oh, it's lemonade. So that was Danielle Ward. Uh, she's awesome. Uh, you can find Danielle on Twitter at Captain Ward, and you should check out her next Edinburgh show. I'm sure it'll be brilliant. And listen to her podcast, which is called Do the Right Thing, uh, which is a fantastic panel show. My guest next week will be the phenomenon that is Phil Nickel. I'm standing in a shop and this jerk will jump at you. I tapped him on the shoulder, said, What you think you're doing? He laughed and he sneered for everyone to see. I called him a prank. He said, You can't see that to me because I'm a deaf by Asian teenager albino. And new dance instructor. With a list, and I said, Oh, sorry. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review it on iTunes. Um, if you've got any recommendations for guests, you can find us on at the Fear Podcast. Send us a message and at that person in if you want to. That's a good way of getting guests on board. And the Fear was produced by Gav Murphy, and theme tune was by Tim Bazell. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Bye. Game of Thrones The Walking Dead Westworld No, that's the West Wing West, Westworld there have been many podcasts which seek to analyse the complexities, the depth, the plot lines, the hidden story arcs, the beauty of these productions. Quite simply, the world doesn't need another one, which is why we're applying that level of discussion to the bottom of the televisual barrel and scraping it with a weekly celebration of The One Show! That's right, BBC One's flagship early evening fluff cast doesn't get the in-depth chewing over it deserves. Until now, welcome then to The The One Show Show, where we treat the Matt Baker Alex Jones vehicle with the level of sophisticated examination one would ordinarily reserve for the likes of The Wire. It's very sad that it's come to this, isn't it, Sandy? Fuck the casual viewer, The Wire's creator David Simon once said. See, I'd get angry, but I wouldn't say anything. I'd keep it inside, which is bad for you, apparently. 
Committed viewing requires commitment, and that is what we're bringing to that programme, where every now and again, Giles Brandreth will visit a factory to see how paint is made. He always delivers the... Well, I'm in. A barn owl and a marsh harrier. On each The The One Show show, I'll be joined by a guest destroyer of worlds. What did you learn from this week's The One Show? The presenter, Angelica Bell, can't swim. (laughs) It's disarray. The baby's on the floor. Alex Jones sniffed a bandage (laughs) to see if she could smell Parkinson's disease on it. It's not great. Uh, (laughs) And with that, good night. Down in the hole. GreatBigOwl.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.